88.1 FM, and all the time at kpfa.org. Up next, Jennifer Stone. Stay tuned for Stone's Throw. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today, we are in a fundraising marathon. It's the 24th of September. And what I'm going to try to do today is persuade you to subscribe to KPFA. And uh, I'm going to offer you a copy of a book of my own called Stone's Throw. And I'm going to read you parts of an essay, one of the biggest, fattest essays in this collection. It's called The Revisionist Imperative or Don't Rock the Boat, Sink It. Now, (laughs) today I have a plan. I'm going to ask two members of KPFA's development team to join me. They're here in the studio. Alice Ferris and Jim Anderson. Now, uh, they have asked me to go ahead and read some bits of this essay. This is uh, the sort of thing I'm I'm supposed to persuade you. I'm looking forward to it. The revisionist imperative, (laughs) don't rock the boat, sink it. That's got to be fun, Jennifer. Yes, well, you can't, you know, you you can't, uh, you can't actually decide whether you want this book unless I read you the entire contents. <laughs> but that's going to take, that takes forever. The introduction is a wonderful thing to read to you. you, you know, but, I'll, I'll bet mm-hmm. that they'd have an opportunity to, uh, to well, how much were we offering that for today, John? $50. $50. Mm-hmm. So if they call mm-hmm. 1-800-439-5732, just $50 contribution, they would get a copy of the book. Oh, you've got it. Thanks, guys. That's the 1-800 number. Right. Okay. Uh, no, this book has all kinds of good stuff in it. It's let's see. There's a, uh, an essay about Robert Bly in which <laughs> I hang him out to dry, and there's one about the uh, the Irish patriarch Patrick, and then there's another one called Life in a Phallocracy: The Reign of the Phallus. It's about sexual politics in ancient Athens. Uh-oh. Then there's a section that the editor said, he said, I think those are a little cute, Jennifer. They're called, uh, they were about feminism. The whole crop of them is called Bitches Beautiful. (laughs) You know, there's an essay, feminists have no sense of humor. Things were more fun in the old days, sins of the fathers. They are, uh, I suppose, out of fashion. (laughs) Uh, You know, but never mind. Uh, 
Then there are a number of essays that deal with individual women, what I would call emerging women. Then, of course, uh, it being my book, I had to do essays on Gertrude Stein. Right. Uh, genius is what happens when you're looking for a way out. That's Gertrude Stein. And then, of course, uh, Virginia Woolf, a hot incest survivor, Shakespeare's sister, Virginia Woolf. And let's see, Eros, the imperative of intimacy. And finally, well, let's see, there's a long, long essay on the Brontes. But the truth is uh, the most, what is it, all-inclusive essay is one of the la- one of the last essay is a homage to James Baldwin. Uh, I guess I guess I'm saying no to Robert Bly and yes to James Baldwin. <laughs> okay, the revisionist imperative or don't rock the boat, sink it. That's the one I'm going to uh, excerpt for you today. Uh, and while they're listening to you read, Jennifer, I want to remind you that you can go to the phone right now while Jennifer's reading, so you can support this great program that you listen to on KPFA. The phone number to call is eight hundred four three nine five seven three two. Again, eight hundred. Four three nine five seven three two. If you would like to help us reach our very modest goal during this program, you can be one of our first callers this half hour and show your support to receive a Stone's Throw selected essays by Jennifer Stone with a fifty dollar contribution. So with that, Jennifer, you have an essay, an excerpt for us. Thank you, dear. I see on this uh, this list you also get a free bumper sticker. Check that out. <laughs> Once again, this is a $50 subscription to KPFA, and well worth it, I would say. This essay starts with a quote from uh, the former federal budget director, David Stockman. I quote from David Stockman. He said, I don't accept that equality is a moral principle. (laughs) I used to put that over my typewriter. Anyway, during the early 1980s, I became a publicist for the revolution. Any revolution would do. My favorite was the revolution of touch. I began with plays and fiction. I hoped these would illustrate the need for uh, radical changes, or at least radical chic. Uh, I wanted people to understand how important it is to be out of step with the times. Uh, I wrote about being an advocate and practitioner of free love. That was the 50s. I wrote about being a disciplined celibate in the 60s and about being a community activist during the me decade of the 70s. Whatever is in is out, I proclaimed. One parody is worth a thousand polemics anyway. I discovered at once that there isn't time to be subtle. Uh, The plays were fun, but they were kind of esoteric, to be truthful. I switched to journalism and to radio, to KPFA, and to a little newspaper called Grassroots. Grassroots kept the community honest in the 80s. (laughs) No one was paid. Anyway, I wanted to make the world safe for satire. Uh, Let's see, the the first time... I came to KPFA, has to be 1981, if you can believe it. Uh, I was so upset by the imprisonment 
of an Egyptian Marxist feminist named Nawal El Sadawe, that I went to my friend Padraigine McGillicuddy, uh, long gone now, Padraigine, we used to call her the harp. She was an Irish programmer here. And I told her that Dr. Nawal Sadawe had been put in prison in Kandahar prison just outside of Cairo. Uh, she was uh, charged under Egyptian law number 96 for the protection of values from shame. This happened because she wrote a book called The Hidden Face of Eve in which she suggested that it was a bad idea for women to be castrated, that uh, it destroyed their physical and mental health. Anyway, uh, the book, The Hidden Face of Eve, was a study of this practice of female genital excision, some call it female genital mutilation, in the Arab world. Now, Dr. Sadawe's work as a physician gives her the kind of grounding in female oppression which inspires my Western sensibility. I heard her speak once, and she cautions Western women, us, those of us uh, who call ourselves part of the West, uh, she felt that we tended to be condescending. She said that in the East, they only cut off genital nerve tissue, but in the West, we excise brain tissue. Now, Dr. Sadawe didn't put it quite like that, I did. But she suggests we look at Freud, the work of Freud. Uh, I always liked Freud, what is it? Freud got it wrong, but he got it. Anyway, she talked about the exploitation of women as commodities. She asked us to remind ourselves, yes, <laughs> is... Uh, Mind control, yes, as powerful uh, here in the West as the physical control of women is in the East. Now, Sadawe was uh, indicted for her participation in the United Nations Mid-Decade Conference for Women. Mm -hmm. And I have a great deal of material here about what happened to Dr. Sadawe. She came to uh, Oakland once, and uh, we listened to her speak at Wheeler Auditorium. And she said that to be revolutionary means that one examines the problem of women from all aspects, from historical, sociological, economic, and psychological. Uh, she goes on at great length. Uh, for my essay, I quoted much of what she said, uh, she's emphasizing the fact that women have no collective power. She said that women are always happy to help with the revolution. Then once the government turns over, the women are sent back home again. I think of the situation in Iraq when everyone thought that uh, power would, would uh, fall into the hands of women. But of course, that didn't last very long. Uh, she said that women must have a political party. Anyway, I continued to write about 
Dr. Sadawe, and I continued to do programs on KPFA. Uh, actually, I found that people were very responsive, and they wrote to the uh, the powers that be in Cairo, and uh, Sadawe was allowed to leave jail. I think she was in there for three months. Uh, most of what she writes is about her job as a physician. I find that when I read descriptions of what she saw and the the things she had to treat women for, many, many listeners here and readers of Grassroots were so horrified that they didn't want these things repeated. Uh, I suggest you go to any number of websites and you can find out just exactly what the procedure of female genital mutilation uh, entails. When Alice Walker talks about this, she said that women in her audiences have fainted. She always tells them not to take more than they can take. Uh, anyway, she writes, Dr. Sadawe writes, that the need of the state to control and subjugate women's bodies demands that Arab women be made into, quote, blind pussycats. <laughs> In a film I saw about this time, a wonderful woman who uh, arranged for her daughter not to be excised and to uh, go to school, she looked around and she said that uh, she herself was of no more use to her community than a cow. Uh, so Dawei believes that these savage practices are the direct result of those economic interests that govern society. A father must know that his children are his own flesh in order to hand down his property. Uh, she goes on at great length, and she did here at Wheeler, uh, to explain to people that this uh, tradition, it's called in some places a tradition, predates the prophet. Uh, the Koran says nothing about it. Uh, Herodotus, way, way back, um, I think about, I can't remember the date, but it was long before Christ. Uh, he mentions this practice. So she said it had to do, and the veil too, she said, had to do with turning women into property, you know, like the land and the cattle. Uh, antiquity. Now, that book, The Hidden Face of Eve, was a catalyst for me. And uh, I think since then, there have been so many books. Uh, look up Fran Hoskins. I think she's the most thorough. Uh, anyway, I remember the scene at Wheeler Auditorium, and I was a little shocked. Uh, there were scores of women who came. They were veiled. Uh, and they... Uh, I won't use the word cursed, but they were very angry, and they protested this woman and her beliefs. Uh, I thought she was very cheerful. Uh, she had gray hair and a big red sweater, and she told us there uh, in Wheeler Auditorium right here in Berkeley, she told us how this practice, uh, how it happened to her at the age of six, and once again, the description is too much for uh, general audiences. Uh, 
It was about this time that I began writing a column called Bread and Roses for the Grassroots newspaper. It's wonderful to be on Cape Yafé because you can do, you can do in print one week what you can do on the radio the next. Uh, it one feeds the other. And I don't know how much, how much time I have left. I'm looking at all this material, all the young men at grassroots who argued with me saying that it was none of my business to write about, uh, traditional practices in the Arab world because it was not my culture. <laughs> and, uh, I just said, no, I'm sorry. This is not about tradition. This is about torture. The films that I saw at the Pacific Film Archive were the most fascinating. I noticed that, <laughs> I don't want to say they were cowards, but none of the men who were invited were able to sit through the films. Uh, uh, one woman, an elder woman in the village, uh, she says that if the clitoris is not cut off, it will grow. It will grow, she said, into a penis. Now, the aim of this practice is virginity before marriage and chastity after. The uh, women who are not excised are not marriageable. The the living <laughs> looks to me very feudal. Uh, most of the women couldn't read or write in this film. Some of the younger women were very aware, and they said that they were willing to accept being pariahs in their own culture. We've had, actually, we've had women in this country. Uh, one, let's see, up in Oregon, it was a wonderful woman. She had been excised, and she came to this country. She had two daughters born here, so they were American citizens, and her husband's family was threatening, uh, they wanted the children to come back to Nigeria to have this procedure done, and would you believe Ted Koppel got these two little girls and put them on his television show. It's the first time I had seen the major media pay any attention to this, uh, this situation. Uh, I think he was trying to be realistic, and he did point out that it was not the business of the American government to do anything about this. It was the business of the uh, governments in the countries where it's practiced. The president of Burkina Faso, I noticed, was uh, uh, assassinated about this time. Some people say it was because he had outlawed female genital mutilation. Uh, the woman uh, I met, the one I wrote most about, trying to find her name here, uh, I can't find it. She showed me her films and she said that most of the uh, distributors here refused to show them. She had managed to get them on the shelf at the BBC, but she said they still hadn't been shown. Uh, a few had made their way into women's studies departments in the universities. Uh, uh, I think now, all the years later, that Dr. Sadawe, if she's still with us, is teaching. She was teaching up in Oregon a while back. Uh, so it goes. Uh, the sadness in Dr. Sadawe's voice in recent years uh, gets to me. I remembered 
the first section of the hidden face of Eve in which she describes her own circumcision, excision mutilation at the age of six. She said that she was in deep shock because she saw her mother. Her mother was smiling and laughing and fixing special treats for the people who had come to mutilate her. Uh, she says she thought that there were thieves, robbers in the house. Uh, anyway, I want to skip over to, uh, well, there were so many things going on at that time, and I tried to connect the dots. There was nothing but dots at this time. Uh, everything from Judy Chicago's artwork, the dinner party, to, uh, oh, gee, the arguments about feminism that were going on among the literary folks. Old Norman Mailer said, How did I know the women's movement was going to come along and wash me out to sea? <laughs> I don't I don't think that happened, but I, I think he was the only major American writer who acknowledged the existence of the feminist writers. Uh, let's see. What did you, Judy Chicago, I have here this wonderful poem that she put at the entrance to her uh, her artwork the dinner party it's a big banner there and I, I thought it was so beautiful I hung it up at grassroots uh, it's a sort of prayer Judy Chicago had uh, in this tapestry written on the wall and she gathered all before her, and she made for them a sign to see, and lo, they saw a vision from this day forth, like to like in all things, and then all that divided them merged. And then everywhere was Eden once again. I think I should stop here and ask ask uh jim and alice uh let's see we've got about we've only got oh gosh seven minutes left guys uh <laughs> how do we persuade kpfa listeners to purchase this book and uh so many of my young friends have purchased this book they said to give to their mothers and i, I thought gee whiz how about somebody buying it to give to their daughters <laughs> or maybe someone said to her mother-in-law who didn't yes. understand so many young people today insist that feminism is either out of date or irrelevant mm -hmm. it doesn't have anything to do with their lives uh, most of the women I know say that uh, while the second wave of feminism is pretty much over and done with the third wave is now coming up i'm not quite sure what that's all about i think it's about the same thing uh it's been about all this century uh let's start with child care right yes. you know yeah. nothing has changed in that area uh well, and if, yeah in this the rest of this essay is also about language how the language has been used to defeat women uh the media managed to make us look like fools <laughs> you know that's their best trick uh Alice, what did you 
what is that? Um, well, I think, Jennifer, it, it was very interesting watching you read and, and listening to you read, obviously, because I think one of the, the common themes that I hear through some of the things you were mentioning is the the lack of empowerment of women that is in existence all over the world and throughout all of our cultures. And I think one of the things that has been very valuable about KPFA and about other types of media that have had this ability to bring voices such as yours and such as other activists throughout the country is that we've been able to provide some degree of exposure and some empowerment for people who wouldn't otherwise have the ability to share their story and to share their essays and to publish their books. So I'm, I'm very grateful for KPFA for bringing, bringing your voice to the air. And I hope that for those of you who are listening to this program and, uh, in, value the fact that KPFA brings you programs like Stone's Throw. That's very that kind you of will. you to say. You know, <laughs> I was a purge school teacher. You know, they they came into the classroom there, and one of the men said, "She's a commie dud." I said, <laughs> "I said, I think that's. I, I think you're contradicting yourself there." But you know, I said, "Obviously, I failed as a commie dud." But <laughs> it, it, never mind. Uh, well, I was I was booted out. Of okay. The, yeah. Well, we're glad that you're here, <laughs> and I hope that you, we're glad that you're listening, so please give us a call right now. Once again, you can give us a call with a $50 contribution and pick up a, a thank you of Stone's Throw by Jennifer Stone. It's a selection of her essays, and it's available with a $50 contribution. But whatever amount you'd like to contribute to KPFE right now, we would encourage your call at 800-439-5732. Again, 1-800-439-5732. We, we know that you could keep listening and never give a dime uh, to support the service, to, to support fine programs like a stone's throw. But, and some people will. They, they will choose to listen and, and never support something that is meaningful to them, something that um, is a part of their lives every day, something that informs who they are as people. But we know that, that you're not one of those people. We know that you value this, that you recognize that the support that you as a listener provides to KPFA empowers us to continue to bring voices such as those that you've heard, those of Jennifer and, and those voices that she shared with you from those she's met. You can, you can continue to keep this service available and make sure that these voices are heard with your contribution of any level. Call 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-439-5732. We suggested a contribution of $50, but perhaps you could stretch just a little bit. If you'd like to join our sustainers program for as little as $5 a month, we could, um, um, we could, uh, allow you to support the station and provide us that reliable source of income. Yeah, that's two, two, uh, cafe lattes a month. The $5 <laughs> plan, I think, is the best. And I always need to remind people that this is about free speech radio. Mm -hmm. There are any number of people who don't agree with anything I say, you know. That's not the point. <laughs> yes. What is that? I will support your need to be, what is it, to have free speech, even though I disagree with everything you say. That's right. And I think that's one of the things that I've always valued about KPFA and about community radio is this ability to allow people that I don't necessarily agree with 100% to be able to hear their perspectives. And I think one of the things that's great about that free speech opportunity is that when we listen to one another, maybe we may not agree with one another, but at least we can understand where that person's coming from, understand their perspectives, and hopefully find 
find some at least common ground. So if you value that type of service, because you're listening now, you must value it. We hope that you'll give us a call during this fun drive, as we have a very modest goal for this half hour, 800-439-5732. Once again, 800-439-5732. Call now. That number is 800-439-5732. A gift of any amount would be of, of greatly appreciated. Our, our average gift is about $100. Uh, we do have a goal of $750. We haven't seen an update, but I think um, probably five, six more calls at our average gift level would help us reach that goal. And that is 1-800-439-5732 to support the listening that is so important to you. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever learned a second language, but when you learn a second language, the world becomes both smaller and larger at the same time. And I think when we hear voices we've never heard before from places that we've never been but maybe have heard of, it also does the same thing. It makes your world smaller and larger at the same time. Here's your opportunity to to invest in the service that is provided every day. Every program here at KPFA. Call now with a contribution at 1-800-439-5732. Stealing the language is a wonderful uh, uh, essay in this book. It's written, uh, well, it's about a book written by a friend of mine back east. And, of course, what she's telling us is that women must steal the language and (laughs) make it their own. Uh, It's a neat trick. Uh, I'm still trying to do it. What is that? Uh, Gertrude Stein says, she says, Patriarchal poetry makes no mistake. Think about that one. (laughs) They can't afford to make mistakes. Women always do. This has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. I'll be back on the air, uh, goddess willing next week at the same time till then go easy and if you can't go easy go as easy as you can light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadows